you just want a little bit more of the Patricks in your life, we understand how it is. Lawrence goes downfield, and the catch is made. Tua goes deep for Waddle, got it in stride. Touchdown, Alabama. Pat's interference. Jalen Hurts solidified himself. He will go down as probably one of my favorite players of all time. There are two kings of college football, but one of them's wearing the crown. Alabama's offensive coordinator position has become just like the defense against the dark arts position at Hogwarts. Don't you find it kind of shocking we haven't been taken off iTunes yet? Hey everyone, Christian Miller here, former Alabama linebacker number 47, and you're listening to Pat's Interference. Hello everyone and welcome into year five, episode five of Pat's Interference, your favorite college football podcast, me with my uh, better half, my co-host, Patrick Bittman. Patrick, how are you, sir? I'm doing okay. We're having uh, some technical difficulties today, so this is about as frustrated as I've ever been uh, doing a podcast with you. We've just spent the better part of an hour trying to figure these things out. We're, we've got a Band-Aid fix going on now, so we hope it's a great episode. We know it'll be a great episode because... Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Regard- a fun regardless one. of the troubles, we're still very, very good at what we do. Brick, just right quick, because we're going to make this kind of quicker episode. Yes. Uh, we is great but there's not a lot by way of uh of week three and that's okay so we're gonna make this a little bit of a shorter episode but how was your week uh my week has been it's been good i've been dealing with a little bit of a back issue but i'm on the mend uh it's, it's because you're carrying this podcast it's because it's, it's a little bit of a heavy burden <laughs> we'll go with that yeah it's because i'm carry i'm carrying something um but it's yeah. not this podcast Okay. All right. Well, you know, I'm doing all right. We're okay here in Durham. Uh, we're we're just getting ready for the big old wedding, the big whole shebang, uh, the big hee haw. Yeah, about if a, you will. five weeks away, right? Five weeks away. Can't wait. Can't started wait. making our uh, started making our reception playlist. Cupid shuffle, little cha cha slide. Ooh, you know I sprint to the dance floor when I hear those bad boys. Yeah, I know it. I know it. And I know how much uh, you're going to scream Tuesday's Gone with me when Leonard Skinner plays. No, I'm kidding. We're not playing that at the wedding. All right. Week two was a doozy, ladies and gents. You had Marshall and Boise State kicking us off on Friday. Boise did not cover the spread. Patrick was frustrated. We're going to move on from there. Uh, We're going down the ESPN list. If you've never listened to us before, this is what we do. So these are not exactly in chronological order. It's more by ranking. Uh, Clemson and Texas A&M. Brick, let's just dive right into it. Uh, Clemson never really had trouble in this game. Was that more of Clemson being that good or Texas A&M being that bad? It was more of Clemson being that good. Uh, Texas A&M did not play well. I mean, I'm not going to say that they played a great game and got, you know, but uh, Clemson was just uh, really sort of enforcing their will on Texas A&M. It wasn't an offensive outburst from either side, but just watching that game, you could just... It was just so obvious who the better team was from from top to bottom. A and M gave a an effort, um, not as great effort as they did last year. Uh, they're still a good team, but they're nowhere. They're they're much farther away from being great than we than yeah. some people might have thought. Yeah, I thought I thought their defense played well enough to keep them in the game, but Kellen Mond and the offense just could not get him going at any point in the game. Even when it looked like they were driving, the drive would stall. They'd have to settle for a field goal or a missed field goal, or they'd have to punt. It was just, uh, I, I think one of their best drives was the opening drive, um, other than their final drive, which was the touchdown, which covered the spread. But other than that, you know, it was just kind of a quiet day. Uh, from Kellen Mond after such a big week in week one. I know a lot of Texas A&M fans are disappointed about that one. But you win some, you lose some. Texas A&M still has a lot to play for this season. 
there's still a, a, a timeline, a world, where Texas A&M makes it into this college football playoff and could possibly get their revenge on Clemson. But they've got to play better than that, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, uh, a, world, a, a world that includes, what, four upsets? Uh, they still got they still got the number two, uh, the number three team in the country. Um, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, I guess there's a path there, the number 10 team in the country. But, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, again. If you're hearing some uh, some some odd things, we are having some technical technical difficulties. So just hang with us. We will not have a soundboard tonight. R.I.P. Soundboard. Uh, Alabama thumping New Mexico State in the nooner. Uh, Tua with 227 yards. Jerry Judy with over 100 yards. Uh, receiving break anything you want to mention from that game uh, Jerry Judy's already making a very strong case uh, to repeat as the Belitnikov winner I think he's got four touchdowns I had three last week he's got 200 something yards on the season um, and they haven't even really been opening their playbook up much yet so uh, yeah passing game still good um, running game is getting there hopefully and we'll see they, they start SEC play this week I'll be in uh, Columbia by the way this weekend uh, to see that one there you go. I'm hoping I will, too, but it just sort of depends on work. All right, let's move on. Uh, the other Nooners, you had Ohio State thumping Cincinnati, which we put on upset watch. Oops. Uh, you had Army at Michigan taking Michigan down to the wire in double overtime. Really had a couple shots to beat them. Michigan needed a fake punt and a bad targeting call. Let me repeat. Bad targeting call to beat Army. Uh, Brick? I asked you last week, are we worried about Michigan? You said, no, what about after this week? Yeah, now I'm worried. I mean, if I'm being honest, yeah, I'm, I'm worried. You know, we both picked Michigan to, I think we both put them in the playoff. I don't think I back. did I ever back off yep. that? You did not. I did not back off of it, you know, and I wanted to, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. So we're both about to look silly because, you know, Michigan's had two uninspiring performances, and I know Army's good. They were good last year, made a bowl, had a great season, um, but – not what you want they're, to see. They're they're not a team that should be threatening somebody if they're a, a playoff hopeful. And Michigan is not showing me that they're a playoff hopeful. The Wolverines have looked. Uh, the offenses look shaky at best, uh, and I, I think when they score, it's more shocking than it is impressive, um, especially across the last two weeks. And I, you know, there's nothing saying that that can't change. But I think if they really do want to be that playoff team that we and so many other people predicted, things have to change very, very quickly. Yeah, my question isn't, hey, do they uh, beat Ohio State and get to the college football playoff? Now, my questions have now transitioned more to, will they beat Michigan State? Will they beat Penn State? Will they beat, um, who? I mean, I don't know, oh, Wisconsin. I don't think they play Wisconsin, but... You know what I'm saying? Are, are are they even the third best team in their in their conference right now? Right? I'm not even. Yeah. I I in my in my head I know I predicted them, but in my head now sitting here going into week three, I'm going, where's Michigan in this conference? We'll see, right. but uninspiring after two weeks. Uninspiring is a good way to put it, and you know they've they've got to figure it out. They've got the number one uh, statistically ranked defense in their conference. Uh, especially with Wisconsin just thumping C, uh, CMU this weekend, 61 to nothing. You've also got, obviously, the Ohio State game and Justin Fields tearing it up left and right. Michigan's got to figure it out, and they've got to figure it out quick. Uh, a part of that game, I do believe, was a military school running a very efficient triple option, but at the same time, you just you, you can't chalk up that close of a game to that aspect of the game. 
Well, let me ask you the same thing. You know, Ohio State plays Army last week. What do you think that score looks like? Uh, I, I would put Ohio State by 14, at least. At least, I would say. At least. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the season's not over, and Michigan's, their biggest games are ahead of them. And a, a lot like Auburn there, they're pretty lucky at this point to be escaping 2-0. and But Yeah. And actually, Auburn's beaten a good team. But you get what I'm saying. Like, they've got a lot of football sure. left and a lot of improvement to make before they're even ready to take on the big boys. For sure. Uh, Oklahoma thumped South Dakota. Jalen Hurts had another great game, 259 yards through the air, and I'm pretty sure had another triple-digit yard rushing week. Uh, you had, We already mentioned Ohio State, but Justin Fields with 224 yards. Uh, Georgia was a little bit sleepy against Mary State, but woke up 163-17. Looks like they're on pace to repeat for the third time as SEC East champions, uh, especially when you look across the board at the Missouris, the South Carolinas, the Floridas, it's just it's not looking great. Felipe Franks did have a good weekend, but I want to talk about a couple other SEC teams. Just get your real quick thoughts. You were in Auburn for Tulane at Auburn. Brick, scale of 1 to 10, buddy. How impressed are you with Auburn at this point? Their defense, I'll put them at an eight and a half. Their offense, I'm gonna have to put them at a at a three, maybe a three and a half. And they have they have speed, uh, they've got talent. Gus Gus Malzahn can't play call his way out of a wet paper bag. Um, he finds wow. he finds one play that works and he runs it over and over again. It just they played Tulane and they beat them twenty four to six. You know, it's just like. It, I, I, I would watch him and I go, what what are, what is what are these plays he's calling? Why is he why is he throwing the ball 29 times against in the first half against Tulane? And I know that it is because they couldn't get the run game going, but they it's just again they're like they're like Michigan at this point. Luckily, Auburn was very lucky to escape that win with Oregon. They they very were lucky. very lucky to escape that win with Oregon, and Oregon did a lot of things in that game to almost hand that game to Auburn. Auburn won it in the end. I mean, they made the plays they needed to make fourth and three in the touchdown pass, but. Yeah, that also came on the heels of about nine minutes of Oregon squandering opportunities. So yes, you're right. You're right. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna name a couple scores to you. I want you to rank them most shocking to least shocking. Okay, uh, most shocking to least shocking again. So go. Oh crap, that happened. To uh, yeah, well I predicted that. You've got. Uh, Penn's, uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, Oregon 77, Nevada 6. Uh, I'm going to go USC 45, Stanford 20. And I'm going to go Colorado 34, Nebraska 31. Most shocking to least shocking. I'm starting with uh, with USC there. Um, you know, I mean, you know I'm not a USC believer this year, and I'm not going to continue to be them as the year goes on. Um, two quarterbacks with almost no experience playing each other, uh, USC and and uh, Stanford both breaking in new quarterbacks, but I did, and USC probably won that game in my mind more than twenty five points. They were they were up by a lot more at one point, and yeah, uh, I mean, hats Keaton off to them. Slovis, yeah, Keaton Slovis had three hundred. That's uh, st- uh, USC's new quarterback, three hundred seventy seven yards and three touchdowns. I mean, and looked like he had been a starter for two years. I mean, he looked really really strong. Um, and now you look at USC, are they a force to be ranked with in the Pac twelve? Um, sure. Yeah, I'll put them up there. I don't think that they make the championship game, but I don't think I, I'll say that I don't think that they lose as many games as I thought they would. I thought they would yeah. have one or two losses at this point. And, uh, especially, especially with Washington Cal finishing that game at 4 a.m. Cal beating Washington by one. 
uh, I know shocked a lot of people. I didn't mention that one here, um, but that was that was such a late game. I mean, I, I would highly doubt if anybody saw it. All right, so you've got USC over Stanford is most shocking. Uh, I, I assume you predicted Oregon over Nevada 77-6, to and you think that my upset warning from last week is, is very ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I I, nailed, I said that they would win 77-6 to on this podcast. You guys can go back and – I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't predict a 77-6 to win. I, I guess you I wasn't actually, – You actually were pretty proud of my upset warning then. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. At the, at the, at the time, I thought that's a, that's a pretty decent pick, and it wasn't. But, um, you know, yeah. you win some, you my lose some. How, my how things can go awry. All right, we've got Colorado 34 over Nebraska 31. Colorado had to uh, erase a 17-point deficit to take uh, Nebraska. They were at home, but it looked like a home game for Nebraska that – keeps happening more and more uh frequently now but you know brick are you are you worried about scott frost is his seat a little warm or is he doing all right i think he's he's fine um you have to remember the nebraska team that he took over and to have them ranked in year two yeah they're gonna they're gonna lose some tough games they're gonna have moments like this while they still rebuild i still think scott frost is the right guy to be there um and i cannot say that for a lot of new coaches uh, but I still think Scott Frost is the right guy. Um, if you're going to hit the panic button, bu- button at Nebraska after a loss like that in year two when you're still coaching a, a not super talented team, then uh, you're never going to be good at Nebraska again. But Yep, yep. I, I agree with you. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple more scores. Um, we'll, we'll take these one by one. I want you to talk a little bit about uh, Kelly Bryant, Missouri, um, just waxing. West Virginia, 38-7. to seven. Uh, Is that more of Kelly Bryan, Missouri, figuring out, or is that more of, oh, shoot, West Virginia is having a really bad year? Ooh, um, I, I got to admit, I whiffed on this game badly. I, I was I was pretty confident that, that w- w- uh, West Virginia was going to win this one going away. Um, I, I'll, say, I'll say that Missouri worked out some kinks. You know, they, they had an embarrassing week one loss, and I guess they came out and showed that that's not who they are. Uh, Wisconsin, yep. I mean, West Virginia's. I keep saying Wisconsin. West Virginia's got a long way to go, but um, I, I tell you what, I'd much rather be West Virginia right now than South Florida, who lost to Georgia Tech fourteen to ten. You know, you make an excuse that West Virginia, Missouri, even this Georgia Tech team, are in rebuilding years, right? You can't make that excuse for South Florida. Charlie Strong has got a veteran quarterback in Blake Barnett. They have not shown anything they've scored four or excuse me 10 points in two weeks they got killed by wisconsin they got beat by a georgia tech team that instituted an entire new offense this season buddy charlie strong's got to be out the door pretty soon yeah this is his last i wouldn't call this a major head coaching job but this is his last you know fcs head coaching job for fbs fbs sorry fbs coaching job for if not all time a very long while i mean i just yeah I like him yeah. as a coach. You know, he did some great things at Florida. Uh, I thought he was he was doing some good things at Louisville, but yeah, you know. Next uh, next game, I want you to talk about. We're going to talk about three more games from week two. Uh, the next two will will take a little bit less time on, and then the last one we'll obviously talk about LSU and Texas. Uh, BYU using some big old storm and Mormon strength, twenty nine twenty six in double overtime. Uh, I, I want to ask you something. I want to I want to take this in a different, maybe a different perspective. 
UCLA lost to San Diego State. They've got Chip Kelly at the helm. You've got Jeremy Pruitt in year two at Tennessee, very much like Chip Kelly. Uh, they lose to BYU at home. They're 0-2. They lost to two group of five teams for the first time since 1958. That's really the that's not farthest. That's the farthest you can measure back Power 5 slash group of five. But you remember there's the Southwest Conference. The Sun Belt was a big deal. The SoCon was a bigger deal. So it's really kind of hard to measure. This may be the first time Tennessee's – this is potentially the worst start they've ever had. So let me ask you. Tennessee or UCLA, who's in a worse spot and why? Uh, Tennessee. At the end of the day, Tennessee's still got to buckle up while they're floundering like this, and they're they're recruiting and competing with the rest of the SEC. You know, they're they're, they're they they have to still face the Alabamas this year. They still got to face Georgia. They still got all these teams that they got to face. Got to play Florida. Um, UCLA is. I mean, I'm not saying they don't play as tough competition. But I, I guess I believe that Chip Kelly can do some stuff there way more than I believe that Jeremy Pruitt's going to turn around Tennessee anytime quickly. And I think, I think Jeremy Pruitt's a good coach. I think he's a good enough coach, but maybe he's not good enough to pull Tennessee out of this, uh, this pit they're in. I don't know if anybody yeah. is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's dark times down in Knoxville, which if you're a friend of this podcast, you know I am just dancing on the grave at this point, buddy. I was uh, lucky enough to be in attendance. Uh, for Miami at North Carolina. It was not the most beautiful game in the world, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, after North Carolina's first drive, and actually really after the first quarter, North Carolina stalled. I think they had seven or eight drives that ended in either a punt or a field goal or a turnover. Um, and uh, Excuse me, field goal attempt, not even a field goal make. Uh, they did pull it out 28-25 in an extremely exciting game. Um, Jared Williams is actually not a bad quarterback, Miami just has a bad offense, like eight bad offensive line. Uh, Mac Brown is now 2-0 and as a Tar Heel um, in his return. The Mac is back. North Carolina is feeling it. And, buddy, let me tell you, that atmosphere was incredible. It reminded me of uh, when I was at Nick Saban's first big, big win uh, in 2007 in Tuscaloosa at Brian Denny Stadium over Darren McFadden, Felix Jones. Uh, I believe Houston Nutt was the coach then at Arkansas. Yeah. Um, that's it was it was the same vibe. It was that, oh, this is a new coach. This is a program that's had a lot of pride, a lot of tradition, and they're trying to get back on the map. Um, you know, the student section was full for the first time that I've seen since I moved to North Carolina. Uh, last year, I was at two North Carolina games. They were both empty, and that's me being generous. Um, you know, I, I don't even think the bands wanted to be there. I definitely did want to be there, and I was getting paid to be there for one of those games. Uh, so a really, really tough environment um, to be at and now to play at uh, in Chapel Hill. And honestly, if, if you're a North Carolina fan, you're loving every minute of it. I'm just interested to see, is this North Carolina being that much better or is this Miami and South Carolina being that much worse? Well, uh, is, is North Carolina the second best team in the ACC right now? That's a tough question. And I, I, really, I really don't think so. I really don't think so. Um, I, I, I'd hate to say it's Virginia, but it's hard to go against that Virginia team with a veteran coach, with a veteran quarterback, with a lot of good starters, a lot of good guys on defense. That Virginia team is a force to be reckoned with this year. Um, but I, I think it's between those two teams, and right now the rest of the ACC isn't showing us very much. And that brings up another good conversation. Syracuse completely falling apart against Maryland and Coach Loxley. Um, 63-20. to 20. 
Uh, Maryland with Josh Jackson, the Virginia Tech transfer at the helm, looks like a completely new ball team. Um, so, you, you know, to go back and answer your question, I think North Carolina is at least in the top three as of right now, but there's a lot of season left. And like I said, there was a, a good chunk of that game that they weren't getting it done, but they got it done when it mattered. Very much unlike Syracuse, who uh, they, they've got to figure it out quick if they want a shot uh, to play for the ACC title, um, or at least even have a shot at scoring against uh, Clemson next week. Because Maryland put up 63 on them. They put up 20, but it was it was well after. It was way too late. Maryland has really wrought the ship. Um, a lot of people glad to see what, like I said, Josh Jackson transferred Virginia Tech. And uh, new head coach, Mike Loxley, even though he's from the DMV, he is the new head coach there. Uh, Maryland, the Terps, are a team to watch out for this year. Yeah, I would agree. And they looked uh, they looked really dominant on, on Saturday. Um you know, another game that we, we're talking about, these coaches that are struggling, so I'm going to take my moment to talk about uh, that Florida State-Louisiana-Monroe game. Uh, Florida State was losing that game in the fourth quarter. I mean, they were they were losing. They were actually down two different ways. They, they lost. They, they were losing. They scored. Then they went down again. This game ends up going yeah. to overtime. Um, sure. Florida State scores on their first position, and then the Seminoles are saved after Louisiana-Monroe scores a touchdown and misses the extra point. And that's how Willie Taggart wins his first game of 2019. But yeah, is there a hotter is there a hotter seat than his? I don't think there is. I, I don't think there is for um, for a major was, program for for a, I, a power five guy. If there was, I would say that it's it's uh, well you said power five. I would say Jeremy Pruitt maybe is in a similar position, um, just being that year two guy, and it's it's just really bad. See, I, 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 I think I think there. Jeremy Pruitt could go. I, I think Jeremy Pruitt could win three four games next year or this year, and he's still the coach next year. I don't think that. I don't think that the team is even considering getting rid of Pruitt yet. The yeah, they're going to go ejecto cedo. There is a uh, there is there's a they're losing faith in him. He's not he's not instilling a ton of confidence, but there is no faith in what Taggart's doing at Florida State. And I think that the search party's already eh, maybe I'll maybe I'll do one of my head coaching go out on the limbs things, but. I think Willie Taggart's done after the season, and uh, I'll go Mark. Wow. I'll go Mark Stoops as the head coach there. Wow! 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 Uh, hey, right quick, can I get a little, uh, a little uh, sensual, beautiful, lovely, soft, sweetheart music? Just, just for a second. I just want you to play with your mouth. Just, just <laughs> I was gonna it. say we don't have the soundboard today, but I'm gonna go. No, soundboard's dead, and I remember that halfway through. So you're just gonna have to hum it for me. I'm gonna go through both of our sweethearts because really not a lot to report. Okay, let's go. Kent State get the overtime victory. Dustin Crum with 192 yards and one touchdown. The Golden Flashes with the overtime win on the field. Oh, you even cut it off earlier. Really. <laughs> I cut it off like with the, the, like with the, the soundboard With the field does. goal in overtime, that was the only overtime score. Dustin Crum, by the way, sounds like a disgusting uh, Harry Potter character, honestly. Uh, it looks like Oliver Crum's brother. Um, and you have the worst sweetheart of all time. My beautiful, my beautiful, my beautiful Buffalo Bulls suffered a tough, close loss to Penn State, only losing, I believe the final was, uh, yeah, 45-13, but it was, it was a lot closer than the scoreboard. Yeah, it was. Like, Actually, if, that, if, game, if being that game entering the final three minutes was 13-10. Uh, was yeah, it really was. It was, it was close. It's wild how much, uh, how much Penn State scored. All right, let's get into the last game of week two, the most exciting game. 
the struggle to find who the real DBU is to fight the fact that there was uh, 872 total passing yards in this game and, and, and eight touchdowns and only one interception. But LSU comes out on top, 45-38. They are currently ranked number, I believe it's number four in the country, according to the AP. Brick, is that too high, too low? Are you buying or selling the LSU Bayou Bengals? Well, ever since I started bashing uh, LSU on this podcast, you're welcome, by the way, Bayou Bengals. They've... They've done a complete 180 on what I was expecting of. Remember, last year, maybe two years ago, whenever they decided to keep on, I was saying that LSU fades into mediocrity. Um, Texas A&M supplants them, and LSU becomes sort of a middling SEC West team. And I could have been more wrong. I mean, LSU just beat, knocked off Texas, right? They look really good. New offense. Joe Burrow's going out there. He's balling. Uh, defense yeah. is – it was an emotional – sort of an emotionally charged game, and I think that's where a lot of the points came from. I don't even think we watched two bad defenses. I just think we watched two teams going out there making making guys being dudes kind of plays. And yep. no, I'm not, well, I guess I'll buy LSU. I mean, that's that's a team that, hey, they play the right on the – I mean, eventually, eventually they're going to have to win against Alabama. I'm not saying it's going to be this year, but I am saying that it could be. Yeah, it just takes yeah, yeah, it just yeah. takes the right team on the right day, and then next thing you know, LSU's the one playing, and 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 for sure, Atlanta. it's I, happened I think before. This is, I think this is the first time we've ever seen LSU in a big game that turned into a shootout, be able to not only compete, not only go score for score with somebody, but also to sit there and say, okay, we're going to win. We're going to do whatever it takes to win. The final pass, I, I think it was like a third and fourteen or something. Uh, Joe Burrow had a linebacker diving at his ankles. He got up on one leg, kind of crow hopped a little bit, and threw a first down strike that just kind of kept going up the sideline, going up the sideline, going up the sideline. That's a score. football play right there. That's a football play. That's that's what winners do. That's <laughs> what gamers do. Uh, Sam Ellinger had a great game too. He had 401 yards for four touchdowns. That's another guy who just you know willed his team to try and win, and it just didn't work out. Um, Texas even had a good opportunity on the onside kick at the end. So I don't think Texas is really dead in the water yet, uh, but they've got to go through Oklahoma, and they've got to play better than this if they want to beat that Oklahoma team because if you're asking me Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow, right now I'm taking Jalen Hurts, and they weren't good enough to beat Joe Burrow. They may be up for a rude awakening, and I'm not sure wearing shirts that said the real DBU is a really good a uh, a really good foreshadower for the rest of the season. No. Uh, now, it's it's going to make it tough. At the end of the day, this is one of those early season, highly ranked games that, that might not matter. I mean, I think bo- if both of those teams went out there in the playoff, um, I don't think that when Texas gets to the end of the year, anybody's going to talk about a one-score loss being a reason to keep them out. No, no, I, I agree. Uh, so, yeah, you, you've, you've got to buy LSU at this point. Uh, it looks like Ed Orgeron's got them on the right track to now. Uh, but again, it's week two. It's early. We don't really know how good this Texas team is. You know, LSU did give up a lot of points, and they gave up a lot of third down conversions. A lot of third down conversions. It was it was really a a tough game to watch if you've loved defensive football. I mean, Texas was eight for fifteen. Um, LSU was six for twelve, but you had over a thousand yards in this game. I mean, it, it, it's just tough football to watch if you love defensive football. But like I said, this is LSU got in a shootout and they won it. They even lost the turnover battle and still won the game. Uh, 
Um, almost lost an onside kick, and I still think if Texas gets that onside kick, uh, the game might wind up differently, but I don't think LSU loses it. It, it never really seemed like LSU was the worst team in this game, uh, and that's something that surprised me and, and something that we need to watch out for for the rest of the season. For sure, um, for sure. You know, I know we felt this way about LSU before, but something just feels different uh, down in the bayou this year. All right, let's move on to week three. Not a lot of games to talk through. Uh, Brick, I'm just going to kind of read through, name some off, you give me your winner, maybe a sentence why, maybe you don't, and that's perfectly fine, okay? Sure. Uh, let's talk through, uh, we'll go Friday, North Carolina at Wake Forest. Does North Carolina keep the ball rolling, or are the Demon Deacons able to stand up and shut them down? Nah, pick, going outright, I'm going to go with North Carolina. You know what, I like that pick. I'll go with them too. I may be attending that game Friday night. It depends on work. I'll either be going to that game Friday or the Alabama game Saturday, or depending on how the Bulls play, neither or just one or the other. It's just, it, it, that's baseball. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Pittsburgh at Penn State. Penn State. Chattanooga at Tennessee. <laughs> I'll, I'll give Tennessee their first one of the season. Oh, I love it. Kansas State at Mississippi State I think is going to be an interesting game. I've got Mississippi State here, especially since they're at home, but Kansas State, with the new coach trying to get the new defense in, new offense in, uh, you know, I think they're they're a sleeping giant right now in the Big Twelve. I don't think it's this year, but I think it's coming. Do you think Mississippi State can get the victory? Yeah, they got a they flipped their they've got a they got a a good offense and a defense now that's growing. So I think they win yeah. though. Yeah, there you go. Uh, NC State at West Virginia. You've got the old Bootstraps Bill, Bootstraps, Bootstraps, and. The old Ryan Finley, your old sweetheart, my friend. North Carolina State is on the road. Do they get the victory this weekend? No, you know I'm not going to pick NC State after last year, but I'm also going to pick West Virginia because the the it, the, the slide's got to stop at some point. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take NC State, but I honestly don't have a confidence in that one. All right, let's move on. Alabama playing their first SEC game of the year, the first CBS SEC game you've got. Uh, Alabama traveling to the hot as hell, uh, Columbia, Missouri, or Missouri, South Carolina, excuse me. It is 1236 my time. Uh, Alabama traveling to South Carolina. Brick, do they pull out the victory or does South Carolina repeat 2010? Oh, it's going to be a full on repeat down to the, no, uh, um, I don't think Ryan Halinski is going to be pulling any kind of, uh, Steven Garcia this weekend. And I don't think anybody's going to be talking about this game come Sunday morning. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a statement game for Tua. Um, I, I love the Holinsky storyline. I would love for him to win a big game this year. Maybe not against my alma mater, but if he won a big one, I wouldn't be too upset about it. Uh, you've got Stanford traveling to UCF, who I'm sure they thought this was going to be the big ranked Power 5 midseason upset that they've been begging for, and then Stanford completely shit the bed against USC last week, so I guess that's not going to happen. But, Brick, who do you have in Stanford UCF? Give me UCF. I like it. I like it. I think that's a good pick. I'll take UCF as well, and I can't wait till they prove me wrong and lose by 30. You've got USC at BYU. BYU coming off the big high against Tennessee, but like we just mentioned, USC – Beat Stanford, had a freshman quarterback come in, throw for 370 yards. Brick, are you taking the Storm and Mormons here, or are you going the V for victory with Trojans? I've been wrong about USC all along, so I'll pick them this week, and they're going to make me really mad when they lose this game. Yes, they are. We've got El Asico, 4 p.m., Fox Sports 1, Iowa, at 
Iowa State. This is uh, Ames is hosting Ames Day, as they're calling it. Brick, do you take the Cyclones, who have been questionable so far this season? They've only played one game. But... I don't care. I don't care. Oh, this is their moment. I'm going Cyclones, baby. Oh, bud. Oh, buddy. I'm going to go Iowa here just because Iowa State looks so bad in week one. Sure. Really, really bad. Like, really bad. Arkansas is making a quarterback switcher playing Colorado State. I'm still going to take Arkansas. How about you? Um, yeah, I will too. I'm going to take Buffalo by 100 because they're playing my third least favorite school in the country, the Liberty Flames. Uh, Jerry Falwell is a snake, and I hate him. And if you get a chance, you should just Google his name right quick and see all the articles that have been coming out of Liberty University this week. Uh, one of the most detestable schools, uh, programs, um, just their moral compass is completely wrong. I think everything that is wrong in America uh, can be reflected in the Liberty Flames. And I hope they lose by a million, not just because it's my sweetheart, but because I hate them with the passion of a thousand sons. Uh, Kent State plays Auburn. Your sweetheart plays Auburn. Kent Are they going to beat Auburn? Kent State by 69. I love it. Uh, Florida at Kentucky. Does Kentucky repeat the same result as last year? Yeah, we're rolling down this list on ESPN games. Check out the ticket prices. As It's the only game in triple digits where the, that's the lowest ticket you can get. Uh, Kentucky's feeling themselves, man. They think they're going to do it two years in a row, but they ain't. Florida's going to beat they them. They ain't. They wrong. They wrong. Uh, Clemson at Syracuse preseason. A lot of people pointed this game as a potential track game for Syracuse. Ah, I don't think that's happening. I think Trevor Lawrence is finally going to wake up. He looked off last week too. Um, not off, just not really himself. His touchdown passes were good, but there were some easy passes he was missing left and right, and his interception was just terrible. That's a good way to say it. He, w- he was making the, the amazing passes look easy, and the easy passes look difficult sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but I'm going to take Clemson by at least 20. Yeah, Clemson, Clemson's still sleepwalking, and, and we don't even know it, and they're going to win this game easily. If you're just looking for a good game this weekend, just a good, solid football game, unranked, you don't really have a dog in the fight, you don't really care what's going on, I think TCU at Purdue is that game. I think Rondale Moore is going to have a big game against TCU, but again, it's going to be a shootout, and you know those Big 12 versus Big 10 shootouts can go either way. We hey, just never really know. I don't care, but I'll take TCU. I'm going to take the Boilermakers. Boilermaker up, hammer down. Uh, Oklahoma at UCLA, the only reason I'm bringing up this game is because it has a great, great story behind it. UCLA, I'm not sure if you saw this, after their loss to San Diego State last week, uh, Monday they sent an email to their season ticket holders saying that they had four free tickets in their inbox to come see the Sooners play the Bruins. That's awesome. If your college football program is so bad that you're giving out four free tickets to every season ticket holder, just forfeit the rest of the season. But there's no reason to give a bunch of freshmen and sophomores CTE in a sport where they know they're going to lose. Doesn't make any sense. Really doesn't make any sense. And then your beautiful, lovely Pac-12 after dark game. You've got Kevin Sumlin trying to keep his seat a little bit cooler than most people would think it is against Texas Tech. Do you think that Khalil Tate and Kevin Sumlin can get it done against the Red Raiders guns up? Um, woo, that's going to be a fun one, isn't it? Uh, that's, I, I think that, that could be a really, really good one, yeah. Nah, give me Texas Tech. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Everyone in uh, – excuse me. Everyone, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for Pat's Interference this week. This is a, 
a bit of a shorter episode. We told you it would be. It's not really a lot going on in uh, week three, and it's also 12.41 in the morning, and I'm not really sure that my computer's been recording. So I have to go figure that out. And if it wasn't, you're going to get a 15-minute podcast of me talking in the car. Thank you so much for listening. Brick and I have always, 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 always wanted to do this podcast. It is unbelievable to us that we've been doing it for five years. Brick, you're my best friend in the whole world. You too, whole world. I, I hope your back feels better. And, buddy, we are up, up, and away. <laughs>